everybody, to episode 13 of the Rabbit Trails podcast. Hello. Garrick, Garrick, it's good to see you, man. Likewise, great to see you, man. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm I'm just going to launch into it today because we're, we're a little bit tight on time. And yeah. uh, I've, I've got something uh, that I don't want to call something it. Something you want to get off your chest? I, 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 well, <laughs> it's a large chest. Um, I, I don't want to call it a rant because uh, I want it to be more sanctified than a rant. A rant is complaining. I want this to be productive. Um, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, uh, in our world today, a little bit of an overused word, uh, which we have seen a lot lately, is um, the word unprecedented, that we live in unprecedented times. Now, in the politi- American political discourse, um, this u- word is used all the time, right? So if you watch uh, CNN, CNBC, any number of different things, everyone's always using, oh, the so-and-so did something unprecedented. It's never happened before. Mm-hmm. And uh, I happen to be reading a, um, a book on the Spanish flu epidemic. Uh, I shall hereto whence forth uh, refer to that as the Kansas flu epidemic Kansas of flu. Uh, 1918. And, um, you know, as I read it, there are a ton of similarities between then and now. Now, the flu is not COVID. They're not the same disease. We're not seeing people die at the same rate that they did then. But certainly, like school closures, theater closures, um, people losing jobs, people not even talking to each other, social distancing where people would get together but be on opposite sides of the room, uh, refusing to shake hands. Um, there was even... There, yeah, masks, yeah. There was even discussion at one point of churches using this this medium of radio in order to go towards, but of course the problem then was that there wasn't enough, uh, there wasn't enough uh, signal for everyone to have yeah. one and it was, and it was really expensive. So yeah, obviously didn't have radio, right? Which, which the democratization of information and the web and everything else would make that possible today. Okay. So here's, here's where I'm at with this though. I, I agree that it's the, the times that we're in are unprecedented for us. Um, so I, I agree with that, but actually what's really unprecedented is the fact that for a hundred years, really less than a hundred years, cause there's been epidemics that have popped up, uh, since yeah, then 19, that have been 1968, yeah, 2 million people died, um, then, but this idea that we live in a world that is unprecedented and there's conversations about, you know, movie theaters will stay closed forever or different things. I, I just don't see that. Um, I think we're in a world that the unprecedented part that we have is unprecedented health. Um, and mm-hmm. I get worried. So that's part of, so th- there's two parts of my little rant here. One is just, Oh, come on. It's not unprecedented sort of thing. And I want to, yeah. I want to pick a bone with people, but I think there's a deeper aspect to this. And I think this is what I want to kind of chat about today. Mm-hmm. Um, it started. So when all of this started, there was, a, there was a lot of interesting things that were happening with people. So on some people, you had the, okay, we're going to retool and we're going to re-put all our energy into uh, idea X. So, um, you know, we're, we're no longer going to produce, um, you know, French fries. We're going we're gonna to grow tilapia or whatever. Um, people just <laughs> completely retooling because a situation has hit and they've lost control. And I see something happening and there can be a tendency among Christians um, to jump to what I think is a false idol of hope 
to solve our problems in something mm -hmm. like the internet or a new tool rather than patient, slow presence of tapping into being a people of peace who, re who reflect Jesus Christ. Mm. What, what are, what are your thoughts on that? I, yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a little bit of a ramp and it's, it's a totally, it's in process. It's not fully, fully developed yet, but I'm, I'm starting to see and think things as we're kind of getting longer into this uh, yeah. patterns, let's say. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I, I agree with you. Uh, you know, and I, I'll, I'll, I'll throw out a few, few reasons, a few things. Um, but I think we kind of talked a little bit about, we mentioned this a little bit back early on in the days of coronavirus mentioning about a pastor, friend of mine in Spain who wrote about, you know, what, what coronavirus taught him was to, you know, yeah, pivot, change, adapt, but stay, stay true to who you really are, who we are as a church and as Christians. But so, so a few, so a few ideas that maybe draw out a little bit more our, our thinking here. Um, I read a book uh, in my doctoral program. It was something like the history of technology, right? And so it was all these great shifts. And so, if you think about it, we, we, we go back to like, let's say the printing press was a great, was a great shift in human history, right? The ability to right. mass produce books. And so, so you could say, well, that's unprecedented. And I'm, I would say that wasn't unprecedented because there had already been many, many, many other great technological shifts that even people had fought against and said, because, you know, people fought against the printing press and thought, this is not a good thing. We don't just want this kind of, or this isn't going to, this is going to change us too much as humans. That those arguments were going on, but those arguments go back to, you know, some guys probably sitting around in a cave going, did you see Bob? He started drawing on the wall. He put our, he put our, he put our, 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 our last hunt when we killed that woolly mammoth, he put it up on the wall. What, what, that's insane. Why would he do that? That's, we can't do that. This you is know? unprecedented. It's unprecedented. <laughs> you know, and so, so I, so I, I think what's, what, what isn't, so the event happening in some sense is unprecedented in some, in some way. But the scope of it in the in the in history, you know, really isn't. Adding into that, we're living in times where it pays to be ahead of the curve, right? So, right. I would say we can't know this is unprecedented because we don't have any scope, any like we're in the middle of it. So, I, so a couple of years ago, I was back home in the states, and I have a, I have a good friend who. Uh, SMU Southern Methodist University, where I went to college, they do a, a thing called the Tate Lecture Series, where they bring in yeah, you know inter yeah. interesting people. Sometimes they're artists, sometimes politicians, sometimes thinkers, and they and they give a lecture. And uh, my friend's uh, he had a membership to it, so it was going to be um, now I'm blank on the guy's name, the guy the uh, the documentary guy on PBS, Ken Burns. Ken, oh, Ken yeah. Burns. Ken Burns was speaking. You know, so this guy's is a historian. He's done documentaries, all I mean, all kinds of stuff, amazing work. Um, you know, from baseball to Civil War. And he was, and this time he was just finishing up the one, the most recent one he released, which is about the Vietnam War. And he said something incredibly interesting. He said, he said, we, we really can't, in our moment, we can't really obsess history uh, in, in, while it's happening. I mean, everyone wants to, everyone is, is, is trying to get ahead of the curve because it, it kind of pays. It pays to get that book out to say, this is going to happen. And there's a percentage of people who say this thing is going to happen and they were wrong. And that's quite a few but we just don't ever go back and deal with them because they wrote a blog or an article. And, and, and so it, when you're right, it looks really good. But when you predict something or you say this, you know, it, it's, it doesn't, no, we, we tend to ignore it already because we just move on. We're, that's the pace of society. And so it pays to be ahead. But he was saying 
you know, really we needed to really deal with the Vietnam War. We needed, you know, 40 years yeah, of, right. of perception. We needed to have that time as a country to heal, to think about it. And, and so I think that's the same thing with, with anything in history. If you're already 2020 it while it's happening, uh, you, you've lost perspective. And so I, I don't think it's helpful sometimes. Now, I, think, I think it's fun. Let's, let's, let's be honest. It's fun to sit around and chat about it. To, but then to prognosticate, you, sure. To yeah, prognosticate. Yeah, yeah. But when you move, make that move into now we're going to start building lots of structure and ideas. I, that's a, it could be smart. Maybe as a good leader can foresee that and do those things. But it could also be really dangerous because we don't have we don't have, we don't have the perspective. We don't have, no, we don't have all the eyes on it. Even the virus itself, we're talking just recently, you and I, we don't, we still no one knows really what this is. Right. You know? we're, the, we're, we're learning lots about it. Like how yeah. it can, how it can be yeah. almost not show up at all in a person uh, symptomatically. And then it, you know, in some people it kills them in a matter of hours. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot in Anthony Fauci. Uh, pointed that out yeah yeah so, so, so i think we need time I, we need time to be able to make those well and, and i even think so so here's where where i i think we spend a lot of time uh as human beings um seeking out the right idol so i think i think here's what i mean by that um idols are ultimately an effort to control um, you're trying to create a representation of an ideal uh, that you can control for your your purposes, uh, and oftentimes we approach God that way. So we 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 call we call Jesus, you know, God and 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 the Father God and the Holy Spirit. This is God, and we have an idea, and hopefully we're more right than wrong on that. But we often approach God in an idealistic manner. So. Mm-hmm. So one one that I see is in Christian parenting literature. Oh yeah. Um, there is a there is the false idol of if I do the right things, my kid comes out the right way. That is an idol idolistic approach. It's idolatry approaching God to think. Now, there's nothing wrong with saying, okay, here is a good way to parent your children because they're going to need these things and they want you want them to grow up and by and large, should you do things, we hope that our suggestion will will help your child and help you as a family to be more intimate. The problem is that when I, dating, yeah, (laughs) but, but, but when I read those books, I don't get the sense that that's the way the book is written. The way the book, the book is written is if you do this, you're obeying God and everything's going to be okay. That's the assumption. So in this coronavirus situation, I feel like uh, uh, an idealistic, pitfall that we can fall into is I feel out of control. How can I control things? I'm going to change everything that I'm doing, or I'm going to anticipate where everything is going and beat it to the punch because ultimately what I want is it could be, you know, more people to come to Christ and and that's a good goal, but that can morph into something else. I think we have to be careful. And, and I see that, I see that, I feel like I see that happening. So one, one way might be, the the common knowledge and the, I could be wrong I but the common assumption is okay this uh, this virus has created uh, uneasiness in people to be in public and large groups of people therefore online is the space that we need to be 
Okay. No doubt we need to be in an online space and course, we course. as Christians need to be engaging there. It's kind of like people walking by your front door. Uh, if lots of interested people in Jesus are walking by your front door, you should probably build a front porch. Okay. Yeah, you need, yeah. So, you need right. So, so nothing, not arguing with that point, but are we looking to the internet or some kind of strategy to become our savior to fix the problem that specifically here in Western Europe, right? So if I in Sweden, it, it, it can be difficult to, uh, reach people. And so if I see a lot of traffic, uh, on the internet, uh, now it would behoove me to shift some, some resources over to the internet to reach those people. But I shouldn't look to that as my savior. If my yeah. goal or if my ideal is large numbers of people, yeah. um, or people coming to Christ in general, I think yeah. I have, to, I think I have to be careful of that. So one way of thinking of it is this way, and then I'll, I'll have you respond there. It, it's this, we see a lot of more or less mega churches. Okay. And it seems to me that one of the responses with the online idea is an effort to see numbers rise. Now, nothing wrong with numbers rising. If you can get 40 million people listening to something, I, by all means, you should do it, especially if it's good theologically. But what if, what if because of the coronavirus, what if the steps we should take are in the exact opposite direction? Mm -hmm. What if we should be looking for churches of 200 to 400 people? Yeah. Like, like what, if, what if we should be looking for smaller groups of people meeting still one-on-one? -on -one? Because all I've seen and all I've experienced in this epidemic, in these unprecedented times, which are precedented throughout human history, uh, is the, the affirmation again and again that people are social animals and want to be with other people. Yeah. And so... I think we should actually be looking towards a means of scratching that itch over and against something which cannot ever scratch that itch. Does that make sense? And I'm, I, I, what is your response to that? Cause I'm, I'm still processing a little bit, but this is where my yeah. thinking's going. Yeah. Well, I think, I think two things on, on one hand, I, I, well, okay. Three things. Three things <laughs> well, I talked for a while. You can talk. No, now. <laughs> no, no, no one expects the, uh, no one expects the uh, what's that, that, that funny part? Spanish, no Inquisition. Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> the first, and then they you know, keeps adding different uh, things. Yeah. Um, uh, so, 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 on one hand, you know, I do think that they're. And I've probably been a little bit down on it at times, but uh, th th this is a moment. There are moments for. We, I, I don't think we need to wait for the unprecedented moment to do this, but innovation is important. Yeah. You know, we, we need to be, as, as people in this world, thinking about innovation. We, we need to balance that. We need to be careful. Uh, and I'll, I'll get to that point in a second. But so I don't think we need to wait for the unprecedented moment to, to innovate, right? We just, we need to be, uh, you know, we need to be wise as serpents. Wise as uh, Innocent as dove is wise as serpents. serpents. Yeah, we need, we need to be wise. We need to be looking at what's going on. And we need to be thinking through those opportunities. I, I think so. So... Uh, I think what I've seen, just talking to some friends in the States, what this has helped them see is like, oh, we didn't have anything online. We weren't doing anything online. We hadn't right, thought of that at right. all. And so now we are thinking about it. So now, now we built a, like a structure. Most people are then going, yeah, of course we want everyone to come back. But now we've also got this other platform that just, it's nice to have now we've grown. Maybe we'll reach more people. Maybe we'll have more opportunities for people who maybe can't come to church to plug in. So, so that's, you know, you don't want to miss the innovation. I, I, I do think that's important, but I don't think we always need to be 
come up with the idea that this is unprecedented to have the innovation. We should just always be. That's a, that's a great point. You know? Yeah. So that there's that on the, on the flip side of that innovation in itself, isn't necessarily always good. So we have to maintain uh, a reflexivity, right? Stuffed, stuffed crust pizza being yeah. one of those. Stuffed crust pizza. I would say <laughs> Tesla driving cars, which keep decapitating <laughs> their, their drivers, you know, I, those things, you know, so, so it's cool. Something's cool. You know, I still don't have my hoverboard, like from, you know, uh, whatchamacallit, Back to Future 2. Those are cool ideas, but maybe they're in, in, in reality of who we are. So I think we have to be reflective. Yeah. And I think that's something we, we have to be able to have people sit down and go, okay, what's going on here? What's, you know, let's, let's, let's extrapolate this out. Let's think about it. Obviously, we need to be online. Obviously, that's an important part of any ministry because that's where people spend a lot of their time. Now, what I would say is that when the reflective part is then going to go, okay, but who are we as Christians? What mm. is a church? The church is about the embodied living out of the gospel in this day and age. So yes, the internet, but um, in a world that is moving more and more people to social isolation, right? We, we, we mentioned this in, in the last podcast, you know, England has uh, a minister of, of loneliness because they're, they're seeing there's so many people who are struggling with loneliness, isolation. Uh, in Japan, you have this whole group of men, they're called Hikimori Mori, or Hikomori. Hikomori. They are basically people who have totally disconnected from society. You go, go look it up. It's a, it's wow. a, so they, all they do is they stay home in their room. Uh, and it's, it's very uh, debilitating. Um, obviously, a big part of it is internet. And they're saying that they're seeing this start to grow in other areas of the world. Uh, they have a they have they actually have women that will come and talk to them and try to draw them out and there's a whole wow. social service of trying to get these kids and they, they sometimes they uh, they get out and they get back to get a normal life going again um, it's a very mysterious thing but we, we so we, we're living in times at least in the, the modern you know Western world where it, there is a pull to hyper evangelism individualism there's a pull to isolation in the United States you're seeing this there's you know suicides up drug abuse is up, isolation is up. And so, yeah, right. so I think as we move into any type of digital thing, the goal at the end has to be able to get people into community. Right. Into, it can't just be, uh, I, mean, I understand it, one building block could be just information. That, that's fine. Right, I'm right. But, but as an overall strategy, we can't lose the fact of who we are. And N.T. Wright, there was, he's got a book coming out or something, or maybe it came out. He was talking about this, this, this pull towards isolation, towards individualism, and I think in technology, you see that pull to the point where, you know, you're starting to talk about, you know, uh, the, the meshing of robots with humanity, the, the, you know, these are very, these are people, very intelligent people talking about these things. It's stuff like the matrix where you can put yourself into totally, you know, virtual reality and live there. That's right. something that, right. is, so as Christians, we have to look at that and go, wait a minute, hold on a second. We can, we can be a part of that world but we need to call people back to what they're really meant to be. And so I think that's why I said the reflective part comes in. We often want to find the cool thing that's going on and go, that's it. But we don't go, wait a minute. What does, what do we really understand this to be leading us down what the road? And we, you know, you, there's all kinds of examples of that throughout church history where people made the wrong choice, I think, and went off, you know, in a way. Yeah. That, yeah. And, and, and I think, I think as, as far as the digital space goes, I think we also have to be honest and recognize that, or I need to be honest and recognize that that is such a, what does one mean when you say digital? I mean, yeah, it's just yeah. such a broad spectrum. And there are people out there doing, doing incredible work of thinking mm -hmm. through how do we get 
people from online to offline, like yeah. recognizing that that, yeah. that that personal component is so essential, but we're also recognizing that it's a space where people are at. Um, so I, I think that that's a, I think that that's a, a, a good thing. I, I think there, there is that, it, there is that precedence or uh, not precedence, but uh, well, yeah, it's a precedence. It, it is the inclination of the human to find an idol of worship. So, you know, in, in Exodus, when Aaron builds the calf, he says, here is your God, but he, it, it's not a different God. The people would just are like, look, we don't see this God and we don't see Moses who let us out. And so he presents to them this idol of what was supposed to represent the God that they had brought, brought out. And then they go off on everything. And that was the sin that they had made. Now it was, it was very, it was much more involved in that, but I think we have to be careful. We have to recognize, I think it's really easy to look at those who have fallen into idolatry in the old Testament in the new Testament and other yeah. places or around the world today and go, that's idolatry. Yeah. But you know, Tim Keller, you know, in counterfeits God, counterfeit gods really ends up making this point. And I, I, I see when we start, when we feel anxiety as leaders, and so this is what I've had to think through during, during this COVID time, yeah, as, yeah. as, okay, what do we do? How do I lead through this and managing my own anxiety? What's my first response? And my first response the first couple of days was uh, to glut on information. Um, yeah, context yeah. is a big thing, but I, and I'm a yeah. learner. So I was just like, man, I'm, I, and so I got yeah. fat on, on that. And what I realized after a few days was I'm trying to control, I'm trying to control the situation by getting ahead of the information. So yeah, yeah. I would, you know, consume information at an incredible pace so that I could think it through. And I was just trying to manage my anxiety about it. Yeah. Um, and I think in some people there is that tendency to manage anxiety by doing some people yeah. it's managing the eye, you know, by, by different things. Um, and so part of managing anxiety, uh, as Steve Cuss points out, Managing Leader Anxiety, great book. Everyone should read it. Um, Amen. Part of, part of being a leader, part of following Jesus, uh, is to recognize where am I experiencing anxiety? And then I would, John 17, mm -hmm. Jesus' high priestly prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, his, is a prayer for intimacy as Jesus and the, the, the rest of the Trinity are intimate and growing in intimacy. And I think that that should be the thing that we're ultimately seeing produced. And this has gone far afield of unprecedented. So I'm not necessarily trying to connect them, but I am, I well, am saying that I often see a panic, even in Christians, myself included, of yeah. what do I have to do rather than saying, going before God and saying, God, I am finite and I'm anxious and I want to consume information because I don't trust you as sovereign. Yeah. And I'm fearful. And, you know, so, so going down that road and I, yeah. part of my, I think part of my un discomfort with the word unprecedented is because it leads us away. It gives it because it's unprecedented. Somehow we think it gives us permission to just to throw everything away Yeah, yeah. instead of going, God's the same. I got to yeah. lean into him. And I think that's the the hopeful thing about losing the word unprecedented, if I could say that, um, 
is that, no, we've been through this as a human race, as, as Christians, as a church. We've probably been through a lot worse. And we, we've always come out and we will come out and God's in control. And, and so I think as leaders, we ha- you have to provide hope. You know, that's, that's, a, that's an important thing to do. And not just hope in busyness or, you know, getting things done, but people want to see, hey, things are going to be all right. We'll make it through. You know, maybe not all of us will make it through, but, uh, the, the, you know, the, the general, the general, uh, the general thing is going to, is life is going to go on and it's not going to be, you know, we had a pretty hard lock up, lockdown in Spain. And, you know, right. at some point you do get worried, you do get a little, it's a little bit like when you first have kids, right? And you're like, I, I'm never sleeping again, am I? You know, and you just want <laughs> or, someone to tell or you. the first time you have international jet lag with a toddler. And yeah, you go, oh, yeah. Oh, they're never going to sleep yeah. again. They're, they're never, never going to sleep, sleep again. again. <laughs> this is it. Uh, and so I think there was a lot of that sense. We may be in this situation forever. And it's just, yeah. and, and, and so it is a little bit overwhelming. And I think as leaders, you have to create this sense. And so, it's, so looking back helps. Looking back at where we've been as humanity, as a church. And going and, and and reflecting on that, I think, and then and then turning that anxiety towards God, as you said, is is key. I, you know, I, you you've been sending me these clips from uh, the book you're reading, <laughs> and I, I think it's fascinating because you had the one where like there were certain towns who had the stores open, but you couldn't go in to buy stuff, so you just would shout out your order. Yeah, and yeah. no one would. And I was like, well, they just invented Amazon. Like that's exactly right. Ago. Exactly. You know, so. Even the idea of, you know, that you would send an order to bring stuff to your house is, yep. is not new at all, right? right? Where, right. you know, Amazon does it amazingly well, and they, they certainly capitalized on the coronavirus that situation. But the idea that we, you have to go to a store, you know, people were already doing this 100 years ago. Right. Well, and I think, it even, I think it even goes further in some sense of, of so I, 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 I agree with your point. Uh, but I'm going to take it a little bit further, and, and that's this. The comfort as a Christian is not that life will continue to go on because we've gone yeah. through this. As a human, that's helpful. Yeah. But the yeah. comfort as a Christian is that my, my, you're always secure in the kingdom of God, yeah. as, as Dallas Willard would say. So regardless of what happens, and I think that this is the greatness of the Christian message, it is, okay, as a finite human being, I'm a little bit scared about this situation, but I trust in an infinite God who has died for yep. my sins, rose from the dead, and conquered this thing called death, hell, and the grave. Therefore, that gives me comfort. Now, I think it's easy for me to sit here on this side of the microphone and this side of Zoom and to say that, but I know my heart. I know the long walks that I'm going to need to go on yep. to, to cry out before the Lord, I'm scared or I'm bothered by this or I'm impatient or why are you doing it this way? But that then again, I think we mentioned recently in a, in a podcast or maybe you and I were just talking about it, but Hebrews 12, the hall of fame of faith that stands as witnesses that is yelling out to us, do not give up because now we are here or we're anticipating the return of the King with you, but it's worth it. Don't give up. And so in some sense, this inclination to go, we're in unprecedented times, to me seems to be a knee-jerk reaction to go, I have an excuse to leave everything that Jesus is for. And that, to me, what I'm learning in my life is my inclination to get anxiety and to want to control. Now, what, the way that I deal with anxiety is I become, um, I become oh, overproductive. Mm-hmm. So... 
Hence if this I'm podcast. right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Started during coronavirus. <laughs> just, just for the record, I thought about it for years. Um, <laughs> well, we got so, productive finally. Yeah, that, that's right. Uh, everything else got moved out of my schedule. Uh, but anyway, so the the, the the point being is, what happens in my life is when I feel anxiety. Uh, I start doing things. So if, yeah. if there's anxiety that's entered the house and I'm sitting around, I will find myself cleaning. I find a project to do. It's only now at 40, almost 42 years, am I 42? I don't remember. 42 years of age that, that I'm learning, wait a second, I'm anxious. Mm-hmm. And now I'm starting to go, okay, Lord, what are, what's going on in my life? Now it doesn't mean that I don't need to clean the bathroom or fix that project or whatever else. I still do those things, but I'm, I'm learning intimacy of bringing God into that. Yeah, yeah. And I get concerned that we as Christians go to the project of saving the world in crisis before we find out tapping into intimacy with God and Christ to say what's going on in my own heart. So it's, it's, it's kind of like the oxygen mask from the ceiling thing. We got to put it over our face before we can start reaching the world. And unprecedented or not, there may be people who are doing that a lot better than I am. So I'm willing to admit that, that there's people yeah. much further along in their walk with the Lord who are, you know, saying, hey, we're pivoting, we're doing this or we're, whatever it might be who just are doing that because they have an intimate walk with the Lord and they're doing it in the right way. So I don't yeah. want to cast dispersion upon anyone, but it's certainly the thing that I'm, I'm, I'm processing about. Yeah. I think, I mean, to, to be honest with you, uh, you know, I think uh, as, as I think about the arc of this conversation, um, we talk about unprecedented and we're going to continue, you know, and we're going to, we, we are a distracted culture, right? Uh, we are, and we are a culture that has to have an answer to something very quickly. You just, you just see that just constantly. I mean, you, you see it constantly. You just, just follow ahead, CNN for, uh, you know, a year or a month or whatever, and just see there's, there's a crisis. Something's going wrong somewhere in the world. The next week, it is like it, that did not even happen. Um, and so, so uh, I, don't, I don't necessarily think that's positive. Obviously, coronavirus is something you couldn't get away with, get, get away from because it just, it was global. And although it is not necessarily the main thing on the news in the United States anymore. For, you know, for lots of reasons, but I, I have a feeling if it wasn't one thing, it'd be another thing. There's some way that this was, people are going to move on to the next thing, the next crisis. We seem to kind of move from crisis to crisis. Uh, and so leading in, in, in that world is, is, is challenging, I think. So I, I, I know it's particularly hard. Leading in Spain, we don't tend to move from crisis to crisis. It's a different culture. Uh, so where am I going with this? Where am I going with this? Well, I, I think... That's those are the waters we we swim in, and I think what you've helped us see is responding crisis to crisis is not necessarily the way we as believers are meant to live our life, um, because it because if there's anything that's precedented in the world, it is that the world moves from crisis does move from crisis to crisis. Yeah. You know, it's there was uh, this woman, a uh, hundred thirteen year old woman in Spain, she, fascinating fascinating story. She she got coronavirus, she survived it. What? Uh, yeah, yeah. She, she, she's obviously a very tough, tough woman. So she, in her life, 113 years, she's seen. She, she actually has seen. She was alive during the 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 night. The Kansas flu epidemic. The Kansas flu. World War One. The Spanish Civil War, which is horrendous. World War Two. Uh, you know, 
the transition from fascism to democracy in, in Spain. And then now, this is just in her country, so just how those things would have all affected in wow. some way or in a very, and now another massive, you know, per, uh, pandemic. Wow. So, you know, so, so I think, uh, and I think it's something too, is that often we, we have probably lived most of our life living around crisis, but because the media wasn't so intense on us, I mean, you and I grew up in the middle of the Cold War, right. uh, you know, and we didn't, I didn't have a sense that that was a crisis, but you look back on it, you realize that was a time of incredible tumult from the 50s up until the fall of the Berlin Wall in the 90s, early ni- or late 80s, and the, and the, and the, and the downside. And then we, we experienced, a, you know, really a, a great time of growth and peace in America we, um, during that, during, so, after that. Yeah, and then... And, and, yeah, I, I think that's I think that's very true. So I think um, so one, of the things, one of the things that I'm learning is how important it is to step away from the noise. Yeah, and to kind of do a journey inward and and seek quiet. Uh, even more so, quiet and solitude has become a really important part of my life, mm-hmm. uh, and so that. So a, a measured and, and let's say reflective leadership, I think has become all the more important for me. Uh, I don't know that I do a good job of it, but I think it's, it's become all the more important. Uh, and, and, uh, and so I think that that's a, a lesson. And I hope, that, I hope that many Christians will walk in that, will walk in the peace that passes all understanding uh, that is in Jesus Christ. Um, mm-hmm. So... Well, Garrick, in unprecedented fashion, you and I are going to do a, a shorter podcast today. Shorter because, podcast. Uh, we're, I got to I got to run off and uh, do my duties as a father, and um, and uh, I have nothing funny to say. My wife knows that Sounds when I good. pause on something like that, I'm looking for something mm-hmm. funny, and I got nothing. Anyway, I got I got to take my son to football practice. Is what I got to do. So, buddy, uh, thanks for helping me draw out uh, uh, unprecedented. Uh, yeah, I yeah. Think, I think it was a worthwhile conversation. Yeah, I, I think if there's one thing we, we do know is that there's going to be more crisis coming yep. in our lives. In, yep. in, in, in this world, Jesus promised it. Uh, I, I think it's key that what you said is we stay focused on who we are, on what Jesus has done yep. for us, on who he is, and uh, you know, do our best with, within that. Because, and, and, and to stand firm in our, that, those, those, those realities. Yeah, absolutely. Well, sir, you do so in Spain. I'll do it in Sweden. And uh, someday we'll meet up again and uh, eat some jamón. Sounds good, man. Adios. See ya.